Donald Day Trump has been selected as the Republican Party nominee for President of the United States. Who's Donald Day Trump? I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Well, maybe a little. I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. On 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. And up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU in Maui. In Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM in Columbus and on AM 950 KTNF in Minneapolis, St. Paul, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And yes, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk. Radio Monterey and Radio Sputnik blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Coming up, following day two of the Republican National Convention, we will touch base with our friend, Comedian and uh, my KPFK colleague, Jimmy Dore. He's covering the convention in Cleveland with the folks at the Young Turks, and we will check in with him to get his impression of how things are going on the ground there and to see if after two days of all of this madness, uh, and and since he's uh, been a big Bernie Sanders supporter, we'll find out if he is still a Bernie or bust guy as he had been during the primaries, uh, or if the Sanders endorsement of uh, Hillary Clinton or the madness at the RNC in Cleveland or the official nomination of Donald Trump as the Republican nominee has changed his mind in any regard in that way. Uh, So we will have coverage of day two and all of its fallout, at least as much as we can get to in a second. But Desi Doyen... Hi. Hi. Toss out everything we had planned up till now. (laughs) Oh, dear. Yes. What happened Uh, now? Well, we've got some big and, uh, for a change, surprisingly uh, encouraging breaking news just dropping before we go to air here today. So uh, we're going to do our best on the day two coverage. But uh, forgive me, I'm just absorbing a lot of this as we go to air. Um, yesterday on the broadcast, we had spent a good deal of time on the uh, reporting on the number of on a number of troubling election fraud cases around the country, including voter registration fraud in a number of states by a number of Republicans, I will add. Uh, as well as a, a Reuters investigation finding that the uh, North Carolina GOP's mother of all voter suppression laws was likely to result in thousands of otherwise legitimate ballots being tossed out due to one of the provisions in that law that allows out-of-precinct provisional ballots to n- to not be counted, to no longer be counted as they had been for years. 
If somebody voted at the wrong precinct, they'd have to use a provisional, but it would still be counted. Well, about 30,000 votes would be would be tossed out altogether. If the North Carolina law is allowed to stand this November and North Carolina, you may recall, has been very close over the past two presidential elections, went to Barack Obama in 2008 by about 14,000 votes. So those tossed out votes could make the difference. In 2012, it went by a couple of percentage points to Mitt Romney. So that law in North Carolina also includes a a photo ID voting restriction, despite the state's inability to show any actual voter fraud that might have ever actually been deterred by it ever. That law is being reviewed currently by an appellate court, and we're expecting a ruling on that really any time here within the next couple of weeks. And at the same time, appellate courts have been reviewing other photo ID restriction laws in a number of states where Republicans have put those laws in place in recent years. Uh, in order to keep Democratic-leaning voters, many of them, from being able to cast their legal vote. One of those states is Texas, where the uh, uh, lower courts have found that at least 600,000 already registered voters in the state of Texas were likely to be disenfranchised by the law, which the DOJ, uh, a federal court in D.C., a U.S. district court in Texas, a three-judge panel of the very conservative Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appealed, Appeals has already found uh, to be in violation of the Federal Voting Rights Act. Now, uh, it's found to be in violation of that act, found to likely disenfranchise hundreds of thousands of voters, but it has been allowed to stay in place for years as the state's as the state of Texas has continued to appeal all of those rulings against it. And they appealed even after the uh, ruling had been upheld by a three-judge panel of that conservative Fifth Circuit uh, court. Uh, The state asked for a full hearing by the conservative Fifth Circuit uh, court, even though the three-judge panel had said no. Now, that was troubling because we currently have a 4-4 split on the U.S. Supreme Court, which means if and when the Fifth Circuit Court had uh, upheld that restrictive law, that that Fifth Circuit Court ruling would uh, stay in place if the Supreme Court tied 4-4. When that happens, when there's a tie following the death of Scalia, we have eight members on the court. When there's a tie, uh, the lower court uh, ruling holds when there's a tie on the Supreme Court. So voting rights advocates had been very distressed about the likelihood of the Fifth Circuit, the full court, upholding this disenfranchising photo ID law. But this just in Texas voter identification law violates the U.S. law prohibiting racial discrimination in elections. A federal appeals court ruled on Wednesday The U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals affirmed previous rulings that the 2011 voter ID law does not comply with the Voting Rights Act. The full court's ruling delivered the strongest blow yet to what is widely viewed as the nation's strictest voter ID law, according to Texas Tribune. Wednesday's ruling did not immediately halt the voter ID law that has been in effect since 2013, since the Uh, U.S. Supreme Court gutted part of the Voting Rights Act, which allowed Texas to put this uh, this law in this discriminatory law in place. 
without federal approval, as they would have had to get prior to the U.S. uh, Supreme Court gutting the Voting Rights Act. Uh, In a statement on Wednesday, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who, by the way, is uh, under indictment for uh, for a felony, a couple of felony charges, securities fraud. He called this ruling unfortunate. He said that it's imperative that the state government safeguard our elections and ensure the integrity of our democratic process. Preventing voter fraud is essential to accurately reflecting the will of Texas voters during elections. Never mind those 600,000 legally registered voters who wouldn't be able to vote under this law. We have to stop the non-existent cases of uh, in-person voter fraud at the polling place, according to the state of Texas. But... No, no more. Apparently, the Fifth Circuit Court, the Texas Tribune notes, it's considered one of the country's most conservative appellate courts, with 10 of its members having been appointed by Republican presidents. And yet this law, I was going to say, has been struck down, but I've got a caveat I'm going to get to. But for now, uh, they have agreed. This conservative court has agreed that, in fact, the Texas law violates the Federal Voting Rights Act. And therefore, uh, I think it should be struck down, and that is what has been sent down to the lower court, as I understand it. It's a 203-page ruling, so forgive me, I've yet to read it uh, in its entirety here. But um, it looks like it's going to be sent down to the lower court, and the lower court had already found it to be in violation of the Voting Rights Act and found it to be an unconstitutional poll tax. Now, That part of the decision had been uh, overruled by the uh, appellate court previously. But this is very, very good news for voting rights advocates in this country, for democracy advocates in this country. Uh, Gary Hebert, executive director of the Campaign Legal Center and an attorney for one of the plaintiffs, said we have repeatedly proven using hard facts that the Texas voter ID law discriminates against minority voters. The Fifth Circuit's panel of judges now agrees, joining every other federal court that has reviewed this law. We are extremely pleased with the outcome, he said. Uh, So that was uh, Texas Tribune on this. Rick Hassan from the uh, election law blog, who's a uh, UC Irvine election law professor, uh, he says that uh, the court has found that uh, Texas acted with a discriminatory purpose. But there or he says that there's a remand on that, that that goes back to the to the lower court to determine whether there was a discriminatory purpose. But in any event, it was a discriminatory effect uh, to render the Texas ID law a voting rights violation. And he adds several buts. He says, but and this is a big but the remedy is not going to be to strike the Texas voter ID law as a whole, but instead to fashion some kind of relief that give people who have a reasonable impediment to getting an ID, the chance to actually get one. Then he adds a but, but. He says, but, but, there is a very strong dissent from the Fifth Circuit's most conservative members, and that might give Texas a reason to go to the U.S. Supreme Court to get this emergency interim relief stayed. And then he adds a but, 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 (laughs) the Supreme, yes, the Supreme Court has now lost Scalia, and at best, Texas could only hope for four votes to reverse what the Fifth Circuit Court has done. And he also adds that, indeed, he's not even sure that Justices uh, Kennedy or uh, Chief Justice Roberts would be on board, even if the court ties the Fifth Circuit uh, 
on-bank decision will stand. So this is a win for the plaintiffs, no doubt. It's not nearly as good as getting the law thrown out for everyone, he says. But one of the remedies they may put in place is that oh, to allow you to sign an affidavit that says, I tried to get an ID and I couldn't, or I can't afford to get one, or I didn't get one, but hey, this is me and here's where I live. If you have any questions, something, let's say, reasonable-ish for Texas voters so they are not simply disenfranchised. And that is, that was the first part of this very good news of this story that we have been covering for years on bradblog.com and here on the Bradcast. And here's the second part. On Tuesday, a federal judge in Wisconsin handed down a decision that will drastically weaken that state's voter ID law. This, according to Ian Milheiser over at Think Progress, he notes that Judge Lynn Edelman, a federal judge, uh, provides that, quote, any voter who completes and submits an affidavit shall receive a regular ballot, even if that voter does not show acceptable photo identification. And the judge said no person may challenge the sufficiency of the reason given by the voter for failing to obtain ID. So for whatever reason, for whatever reason they say I couldn't get one, that reason stands, that voter gets to vote. So you could have said somebody could have challenged that voter and said your reason isn't good enough. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You didn't try hard enough. I don't believe you. I don't believe you that you didn't have the money. So that could have happened. Now, uh, in theory, this will no longer happen in Wisconsin because of this uh, new decision, which will no doubt be challenged as well on up the uh, on up the chain. But for now, this is very good. Edelman, in his uh, ruling, pointed out one woman, uh, for example, did not have a copy of her birth certificate one of the plaintiffs and was unable to obtain proof of her birth from the hospital where she was born without paying a fee, which would be a violation of the, the Constitution, which does not permit voters to be forced to pay money in order to vote a poll tax. Another voter uh, Judge Edelman cited was adopted and thus was frustrated by the fact that her birth certificate used the surname of her biological parents even though she uses the name of her adoptive parents. So she couldn't get an ID that matched that would allow her to vote. That's the kind of nonsense that's going on. For now, it has been blocked, stopped. Very good news indeed in for voters, for people who give a damn about voting in both Texas and in Wisconsin today. I'm very happy to report that. Uh, less happy to report that I was right all along when it came to Donald Trump that he was most likely to win the Republican nomination. And it is now official as of day two. Uh, here was Paul Ryan, uh, U.S. House Speaker Paul Ryan, announcing the official roll call from the Republican National Convention. Accordingly, the chair announces... That Donald Day Trump, having received a majority of these votes entitled to be cast at the convention, has been selected as the Republican Party nominee for President of the United States. So there it is. They actually did it. Uh, incredible, amazing, historic, astounding, disturbing, 
at least to me, uh, but that's what happened, uh, among other things, on uh, day two. Much of that was overshadowed, however, concerning the Melania Trump plagiarism scandal, which the uh, Trump campaign continued and continued and continued to deny had ever even happened. It never occurred. Don't look this way. Uh, here was uh, Paul Manafort this morning on CNN speaking with Chris Cuomo. Paul Manafort is the uh, Donald Trump campaign chief, still denying that uh, the uh, speech given by Donald Trump's wife, Melania, was uh, ripped off directly from Michelle Obama's speech back in 2008. When faced with something that you did wrong, you just deny it no matter whether it's true or not there's a pattern of denying the obvious what happens when you're running the government of the united states and you don't want to deal with what happens then that's the concern that's why i don't understand well, you won't just own this little thing and move on well chris i guess it's all in the eye of the beholder because the pattern that i see is a pattern of the media not being prepared to look at what's really going on in america you're looking at things that don't exist and you're not focusing on the broader message that does exist this is about the truth it's about the truth, and that's all it's about. The language came the from truth, Michelle Obama's truth, speech. The truth is the words, the, the truth is the feelings that were expressed by Melania Trump that night, which you don't want to focus on. And that of message course I want to focus her, on it. We say her she heart. gave a good speech. We say it was compelling. Well, then move the on. words then move were on. the same that Michelle Obama. But I can't move on because you keep lying about it, so I can't move on from it. Hey, Did a Chris. portion of the language of that speech come from Michelle Obama's speech, yes or no? As far as we're concerned, there are similar words that were used. We've, we've said that, but the feelings of those words and the commonality of those words uh, do, do not create a, a situation which we feel we have to agree with you. It's incredible. It's incredible that they were still continuing to deny it as of uh, Wednesday morning. They've wasted essentially two days at least of their uh, Republican nominating convention, which ought to be, you know, hailing their nominee to fight about this nonsense. Just to give you some idea of what it would be like if Donald Trump was the president of the United States, unable to admit error or, you know, ever having made a mistake, even if it was a mistake. And now... The uh, person, the longtime employee, apparently, of the Trump organization who uh, was responsible for lifting two passages from a 2008 speech by Michelle Obama for Melania Trump's address has now taken responsibility, according to The New York Times. The employee, Meredith MacGyver, who has worked on uh, some of Trump's books, is the first person to publicly apologize for an, any error at any point during the Trump campaign. The paper reports that Ms. MacGyver was brought in after Ms. Trump discarded the majority of a draft written by two prof uh, professional speechwriters, and uh, she identified herself in an unusual statement that was posted on the Trump campaign's website. This was just a, a couple of hours after Manafort had appeared on CNN, still refusing to admit that it was a plagiarized speech. So now she has uh, this woman has come forward and she has offered her resignation and the Trump campaign has declined to accept that resignation. She will stay on board despite plagiarizing part of Michelle Obama's speech for Melania Trump's speech. So that's where we are. At least they can probably move beyond that at this point. 
Uh, they should have done that, frankly, at least 24, uh, 24 hours ago and then been able to move on. Speaking of moving on, uh, I'm going to try to squeeze all this in. Des, uh, day two, you had uh, guys like uh, Paul Ryan uh, who spoke not very highly of Donald Trump. In truth, you had uh, former Attorney General Michael Mukasey, who was George W. Bush's a Attorney General, which frankly should tell you almost everything you need to know that he was speaking at this convention. He actually signed on to the National Review's uh, Conservatives Against Trump issue, saying that Donald, Tr uh, Donald Trump presidency would imperil our national security, but he had no problem showing up at the Republican uh, convention uh, to, to speak in favor of Donald Trump, or at least against Hillary Clinton. Um, most of the speakers did not speak in favor of, of, uh, of Trump. They spoke against Clinton, and they ginned up the crowd to, uh, you know, to to the point that, well, here's an idea. Here was a Chris Christie uh, calling for basically an indictment, presenting an indictment for what Hillary Clinton has done, her policies in, that he claimed uh, she has botched in Libya, Nigeria, Syria, Iran, Russia, Cuba and so forth. And he worked the crowd up to such a to 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 such a lather. Well, here's what they uh, here's what happened in the crowd. Here's what they started chanting. We have found the witch. May we burn her? Burn I don't think. Actually, I think you might have the no? wrong clip. Oh, okay. That okay. might be the wrong clip. Here's here's actually what they started chanting. Lock her up. Well, yeah, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, that's that's more than a little creepy. It sounded like a mob. It sounded like the kind of banana republics that uh, imprison their political opponents rather than, you know, address them on policy. Yeah, it'd be nice if we did imprison uh, a few of our uh, elected officials, actually. At and least the ones that actually, which, like, do something criminal. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of which, you had Chris Christie out there talking about making an indictment against Hillary Clinton. Meantime, his attorney general in New Jersey, who he stood by and called General Sampson, uh, he was ju he just pled guilty this week to a felony charge in uh, in Bridgegate, which could end up resulting in an indictment for Chris Christie himself. Oopsie. We will see. Oopsie indeed. I got to get to uh, Jimmy Dore here, so we'll have to truncate some of our uh, day two coverage because of that. But hey, it's because of the good news in Texas and in Wisconsin, at least good news for voters. Let's check in with Jimmy Dore after a quick break. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Now, one of the things that... I have learned about Hillary Clinton is that one of her heroes, her mentors, was Saul Alinsky. This was someone that she greatly admired and that affected all of her philosophies subsequently. Now interestingly enough, let me tell you something about Saul Alinsky. He wrote a book called Rules for Radicals. 
On the dedication page, it acknowledges Lucifer, the original radical who gained his own kingdom. Now think about that. This is a nation where our founding document, the Declaration of Independence, talks about certain inalienable rights that come from our creator. So are we willing to elect someone as president who has as their role model somebody who acknowledges Lucifer? Think about that. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. Welcome back to the broadcast. Sympathy for the Devil? Yeah, apparently, if you listen to Dr. Ben Carson on day two of the uh, Republican National Convention, that's what Hillary has. Go figure. But I guess where do you go after calling her uh, a, a liar, a murderer? Uh, I guess you calling to lock her up, lock her up. I guess you got to compare her to the devil. Uh, on day two, they made it official, of course, with the actual nomination of Donald J. Trump for president of the United States. Uh, among other things, it remains to be seen how well all of this will play out with Americans, the chance of locker up, locker up, etc. But how's it playing inside the Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland? Reporting from Cleveland, where there's no doubt been, uh, where he's no doubt been enjoying the festivities over the last few days, our old friend Jimmy Dore, star of the award winning Comedy Central special Citizen Jimmy, author of the best selling book, Your Country is Just Not That Into You and host of the Jimmy Dore Show, which is heard on our own flagship station, KPFK 90.7 FM here in Los Angeles, and nationally uh, syndicated on the Pacifica Radio Network, and as regularly seen on the wildly popular Young Turks online program. Jimmy Dore, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad, thanks for having me on. Good to be with you. Thank you for being had. So how's it going in uh, How's it going in Cleveland? You're meeting a lot of nice Republicans there, and uh, are, are they just like normal people except with more American flag-based clothing and such? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, what's interesting is uh, I've actually spent a little time on the floor yesterday interviewing Republican delegates. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have, my, my plan was, to ask them what would be a successful Trump presidency in their eyes. Like, mm-hmm. what if he got, say, let's say he got the uh, unemployment down to 5 or 6%, or he cut the deficit in half. Mm-hmm. Would that be good? Because those are things Barack Obama's already accomplished. Right. And, uh, of course, I knew they wouldn't know that, because <laughs> they listen to right-wing media. Right. So uh, they fell completely into my trap. <laughs> and they were like, that would be great. Oh, that man. would be great if he did that. I said, "What if he? Uh, what if the, through eight years of his administration, he was able to keep Iran from getting a nuclear bomb?" They go, "That would be great." <laughs> and I'm like, "So I'm just I'm naming all the things that Barack Obama has done," and they were like, "That would be great." So it just goes to show you that uh, it's been scientifically proven that the more you watch Fox News, the less informed you are. And these people are the manifestation of the right-wing news bubble, and that's why Donald Trump can be Donald Trump, and that's why he can actually threaten to be the president and beat a, a, a candidate like Hillary Clinton. But to your question about are they regular nice people, i got to say I kept saying that. Like, wow, these are, they are. They were very nice to me. Uh, they're very, they, they seemed actually interested in the country. I just think they're vulnerable to demagogues because of the lack of information or their cognitive dissonance or the way they were raised religiously. It helps them block things out that makes them uncomfortable. 
whatever it is, they are, yes, I, I was talking to one gentleman, I'll give you a perfect instance, he was mm-hmm. a delegate from Texas, and they all wear the Texas flag as shirts, by the way, and they all have cowboy hats on, mm-hmm. and that's, I went up to him and I was giving him my spiel about what if he did this, what if he did that, and this gentleman kept saying, you know, I'm from Brownsville, Texas, we have the highest unemployment rate in the country in Brownsville, and he said the problem is that a lot of the people, he said a lot of the poor people there want to work, he said, but if they get a job, they lose their medical benefits from the state. He said, and that's messed up. He said, maybe the way Ohio did it was right. They took the Medicaid money because John Kasich took it, and we're in Ohio right now. Mm-hmm. And he said, so maybe we have to look into that. And I'm like, oh, my God, here's a genuine person from Texas. He actually cares about people. He knows poor people uh, need health care, and they're willing to work. So he wasn't demonizing them. So, yeah, to your, so for the long answer to your question, yes, they're actually mostly nice, regular people who actually want the country to move forward. They just have horrible leaders and horrible news media, mm-hmm. and this is the result. You know, we need, if we don't have, a, a, you know, an uninformed electorate is necessary. I mean, an informed electorate is necessary for a vibrant democracy, and we don't have one today. Yeah. Yeah, I know, and, and and that's one of the problems that I've been, uh, well, of course I've been saying for years, but it's, you know, when I hear people, uh, uh, progressive, Democrats, Hillary, Bernie, Sanders supporters, whoever they are, uh, sort of demonizing uh, folks on the right, calling them stupid, uh, I think, uh, frankly, they're not particularly that much more stupid than anyone else, but they are unbelievably, uh, not just misinformed, but purposely disinformed. And that's what allows uh, 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 Donald Trump. That's what allows uh, these people that you've been talking to, these delegates, to show up just being so out of touch with what is actually going on in this country. I I mean, do you feel that if these people actually understood the facts that there would be a lot more unity and a lot less divisiveness in this country from from your experience uh, speaking with folks out there? In fact, you know, uh, again, a lot of them mentioned to me they like Bernie. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, and they like that he's not bought. So that message came through. And, you know, that's the thing, you know, when you say if they actually were informed. Well, there is kind of a little bit of, of history on that, in recent history. The more Bernie Sanders, the more time he spent in the state, the more people liked his message. Mm. So it just seems like they're not getting the message. And we both know the mainstream news media doesn't want to get the Bernie message out to the people. And here's something else I noticed, too. So there's a lot of people who were Bernie Sanders supporters who are now going to vote for Hillary Clinton, even though they everything she stands for, they're against, pretty much, right? And why is that? Well, they're going to vote for her because they fear Donald Trump and the Republicans much more than they fear Hillary Clinton. Well, guess what? That's the same thing with rank-and-file Republicans. They fear Hillary Clinton way more than they fear Donald Trump, right? They mm-hmm. they. And that they feel they fear Nancy Pelosi and they fear uh, 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 Hillary Clinton way more because they've been told over and over and over that they're criminal, that they're uh, uh, they're the reason we're having all the problems. Uh, they're the reason why we have immigration problems. They're soft on ISIS. So they've been told that they're the biggest threat to America mm-hmm. ever, even though we just got through eight years of Barack Obama and everything's better. But that's what they've been told over and over. And so they're voting out of fear, just like the Bernie, former Bernie 
supporters who are now going to support Hillary are voting out of fear. I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, well, it is. Do, do you do you sense at the uh, at the convention there that those people are actually coming together? There or there was incidents on Monday on the floor. Uh, I don't know if you were in the hall for this, where the Republican anti-Trumpers had called a uh, for a roll call vote on the rules, and the uh, but the convention officials pretty much shut them down. Uh, several delegations walked out of the hall. Then on Tuesday, there was a similar kerfuffle before the uh, nomination of Trump. That too was shut down by Republicans. Uh, are, is your sense that they are now all getting on board there, or is that divisiveness still apparent uh, in the halls? Is it divisiveness, or is it, hey, pretty much everybody is Trump all the way at this point among the diehards at the convention? Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tough for me to get a sense. Now, the, the Colorado delegation that reportedly walked out on Monday mm-hmm. after they weren't allowed to have a vote on changing the rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went out, I was looking for Colorado delegates when I was on the floor yesterday. This is before it started, so during the day, there's lots of delegates everywhere. Couldn't find a Colorado delegate anywhere on the floor. I finally found one lone delegate sitting in the Colorado section, and she wasn't, she didn't really want to talk, but I did kind of, you know, I pulled it out of her. But her thing, uh, you know, I asked her about what happened, about the people walking out and what the problem was, and of course she was being very, um, I don't know, uh, news speaky to me. She was like, no, there wasn't a problem. We just wanted to change the, we wanted to have a vote on the rules. That's all. And we weren't, a, we're not anti-Trump and we're not, because that's the thing. You can't be disloyal. That's the biggest thing to conservatives is loyalty. Mm-hmm. And so they, she's like, no, no, we this and that. I'm like, well, where's the rest of your delegation? <laughs> and she said, oh, I think there was an event today for us. And I'm like, well, why aren't you there? You know? So <laughs> yeah, to your question, I don't, it, 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 it seems like people, again, they're united in their hatred for Hillary Clinton, especially even if you watch the speeches, I noticed in real time that Paul Ryan barely mentioned Donald Trump's name, also with Mitch McConnell mm-hmm. barely mentioned, also with Chris Christie barely mentioned that. So the thing is, like, they're uniting in their, what, and what they are talking about is how much, how what a criminal Hillary Clinton is, they get the chant going of lock her up, is Chris Christie saying she's guilty, all that stuff. And, and and so they're united in their hatred, mm-hmm. right? So again, whatever Trump has a rally, it it turns into a hate rally. It doesn't turn into anything else. And to me, that's what it looks like. It's like people, if they're going to be united, they're they're united in their hatred for Hillary. That's what Mitch McConnell's message was. That's what Paul Ryan's message was. And then they had like a unity. They had a bunch of senators come on the stage at the, after uh, the speech, mm-hmm. and there were uh, eleven senators, and only one of them was from a state that didn't previously go for uh, Mitt Romney. So, and they were from states, they were all senators that aren't up for re-election. Get this. So Portman from Ohio, not even here at the convention. John Kasich, not even here at the convention. Right. So how much unity can you have when the host governor and the host senator aren't even here? Well, you know, it's a show of unity, uh, Jimmy. I mean, the whole, the, all these conventions are obviously shows, and uh, you know, I, 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 we've covered them before. We were there in in Denver back in 2008 at the Democratic convention, and there's a different feel inside the convention than there is outside. I'm still back here in Los Angeles, uh, you know, uh-huh. watching from here, and I got to wonder how well. This is playing amongst Americans. You know, Hillary Clinton, I don't know if you can follow this while you're there. It's really hard to cover these conventions, I find, when you're there, in truth. It's easier to follow them from outside. But 
Hillary Clinton's been sinking in a number of polls. And now some of that's to be expected during a GOP convention. That's likely to reverse at least somewhat during the DNC next week. But, you know, she's now tied in national polls with with Donald Trump or leading by surprisingly few uh, few points. So speaking of fear and fear based voting, uh, I remember, Jimmy, uh, on the Young Turks some months ago, sort of at the height of the Bernie Hillary primary. I believe I was in the studio one night uh, with you and, and, and Desi, who were on the show, and you said something to the effect of you would never vote for Hillary Clinton, that you uh, that you'd rather see Trump with the presidency. Now, I don't know if I remember that correctly. So I just want to check now. Do you still feel that way, uh, you know, w- with the closeness of the polls, with what you're seeing coming out of the uh, out of the convention? Uh, do you still feel that you would just you would be just as happy seeing Donald Trump? as president, as you would see Hillary Clinton as president? Well, I would be uh, completely horrified uh, at either of them. That's the way I look at it. Not horrified at a Hillary, just totally like I know what I'm in for. But as far as Donald Trump, so people always, here's the argument, Brad, that I always get, right? But what about the Supreme Court? It came up last night on the live show. What about the Supreme Court? You have to vote for Hillary because of the Supreme Court. First of all, there's no evidence that Hillary's going to nominate good Supreme Court justices. Also, if Donald Trump nominates a maniac, well, all the Democrats have to do is filibuster him for two years and the Senate flips. Because we know if Donald Trump becomes president, the Senate is going to flip. They might even flip this year. Uh, that's why Ron Portman is not here at the convention, because he's up for a re-election and it's a tight race. So all those purple state Republicans are going to be peeled off, right? So if Hillary is president... When she starts to enact her neoliberal agenda, which is really a conservative agenda, which is a pro-TPP agenda, a pro-fracking agenda, which is a pro-exporting jobs agenda, which is a pro-keeping uh, lobbyists in government agenda, so which is a pro-Wall Street agenda, when she starts to do that, she will have all, she will have, uh, uh, all the Republicans behind her, all the independents, and half the Democrats. Now, if it's the other way, if it's Donald Trump, all the Democrats and the independents will be united against him, plus all the purple states that are Republicans. So we'll have a big coalition against all that crap. But if Hillary Clinton is, she splits the natural opposition, the conservative policies, just like Barack Obama did. Barack Obama is still pushing the CPP, by the way, which mm-hmm. is why it's still in the Democratic platform, because he splits the natural opposition to neoliberal policies. So if Trump is president, the Democrats could stand up to him and filibuster for two years. That's all they have to do. And let people say, well, they'll never do that. Well, the Republicans are going to filibuster a Republican nominee who's a good justice that everybody agrees on. They're going to not even give him a vote without batting an eye for over a year. Jimmy, all the Democrats in the Senate have to do is say, hey, I'm not we're not going to confirm this guy until you nominate someone that's palatable to the left. So all they have to do. And people keep saying, Brad, that, you know, they'll never do that. And I'm like, so the Democrats are so silent and such a bad party. And they're so scared of Trump that they're going to give him a horrible justice. But you think that I could give my vote to that same party? I say that. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, I understand you feel strongly about that. But yeah, I would say uh, when you say there's no evidence that she will support good judges, I, I think, you know, the, the worst she's going to put forward would be someone like Merrick Garland, who is actually pretty conservative on a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and the idea that Democrats are going to filibuster if they put up a maniac, did they filibuster? I mean, I got to know Jank Uger and the Young Turks, were, you know, who you now work with, back when they 
they were trying to encourage the Democrats to, uh, to to filibuster Sam Alito, and they wouldn't do it. There was John Roberts, Sam Alito, Scalia. I mean, you know who these people are that Republic uh, that uh, Democrats have agreed to go uh, to allow through. Are you suggesting that after what are we at six nine months of them criticizing the Republicans for not even holding a meeting on uh, on Merrick Garland that they will suddenly hold a Senate filibuster for two years. And by the way, if they have to filibuster, that means, uh, you know, uh, that the the Senate, uh, the uh, Republicans have control of the Senate and can end the filibuster in the Senate and just go ahead and nominate him anyway. Uh, You're willing to take that chance. I mean, go ahead and approve him anyway. You're willing to take that chance and allow that to happen for the next 20 years? Really? So I think that what the Democrats, I think they what they knew what the neoliberals like Hillary needs to do is keep Donald Trump on retainer for the next 20 years so he gets crappy neoliberal government. Because that's what this is. This is voting out of fear. This is wrong. You're supporting a party. You're telling me right now mm-hmm. that the Democrats are weak. They won't stand up against tyranny. They won't stand up against maniacs, and we're supposed to vote for them? That is nonsense. Uh, well, I'm not telling you that you or anybody who they're supposed to vote for, and I'm not saying that they that they're, uh, won't stand up against tyranny. I am saying they have a record of not standing up against Republicans, of trying to get along with Republicans, of trying to find a, a, a middle ground. And that that's what they would do, you know, in a case like that. And I don't know. I, I just so you're really putting the idea of the uh, the the neoliberal or the neocon element of the Democratic Party. You're putting that up against a Donald Trump and what Donald Trump would do with that party and with this country, even after meeting these people at the convention where you are in Cleveland. You see no yes. no difference between those two uh, sides. I don't, uh, John Podesta put out a uh, meme yesterday, Make America Lobby Again. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. Make America, you broke up, Make America Lobby Again? again? Yeah, so he didn't put that out. That was was revealed that he had made that. Uh, And they were passing that around in a meeting. Uh, So, so again. I don't even know what that uh, means. What does that mean? That means that he's, you know, he's the head of uh, big lobbying, one of the biggest lobbying uh, uh, groups in Washington. And now he's the head of Hillary Clinton's campaign. So that's what I'm talking about. This is what we're voting for. And we can't, and I don't see how you can put your trust in a party uh, that you know is going to do bad things. You know, by the way, Trump came out, he's against the TPP. He's to the left of Hillary on the TPP. Uh-huh. So, uh, if it, and my, my whole thing is, like, it's, I think it's also a misplacement of blame or judgment or responsibility to point to people who won't vote for Hillary Clinton as the reason Trump becomes president. My point is, hey, I want to vote for against Donald Trump, okay? But you have to come get my vote. Mm-hmm. Now, if Hillary Clinton really thinks it's that necessary to get rid of Donald Trump, then maybe she comes out and says, I'm against fracking. Maybe she comes out and says, we're going to go against the TPP, we're going to put it in the platform. Hey, we're going to be against lobbyists, the revolving door, and we're going to put it in the platform. But she doesn't do that. So my point is, you want me to choose Hillary over Trump, meanwhile she won't choose, choose me over Trump. Well, She's choosing her corporate lobbyist donors over me. Well, and uh, I'm not going to let that happen again. Uh, I'm going to choose somebody over Hillary. Uh, it ain't going to be Trump. And as long as the neoliberals can count on liberals supporting conservative policies, they've got no interest to change. And the country right now in the biggest income disparity since the Gilded Age, half of all uh, wage earners earn less than $30,000. 
There is a two-tiered society. There is more room for I'm telling you right now, voting for Hillary is a horrible mistake. And the Democrats need to grow a spine. And if they don't, they need, we need to get rid of them as a party. I'm done with supporting conservatives in Democrat clothing. Done with it. I got no use for them, and especially somebody... Again, again, we had a real liberal running this time. Everybody, we've all said we can't wait for a liberal who's a fighter. Al Gore wouldn't even fight for an election he won. And here we are, and then at the convention in 2004, John Kerry wouldn't even attack George Bush. Okay. So well, here we are, a liberal fighter, and what did they do? Everybody turned their back on him. The superdelegates got out in front of Hillary Clinton, the most hated politician, second, historically hated. <laughs> historically, it would be disqualifying in any other year, except she's running against the Charlie Manson of the Republicans. Think about that. We're supposed to vote for the most historically hated person because there's more somebody a little bit more hated. Uh, so uh, Jimmy, I, that's just a horrible uh, situation. I think Americans need to wake up and reject corporatism, reject neoliberalism. And if we don't do it this election, we'll never do it. And don't be afraid of Donald Trump as a president. Because, we again, like I said, we're going to unite the opposition to him. And in two years, the Senate and the House flip. You know, okay, okay. All right. Hang on, hang on there, Jimmy. Good rant, a lot of stuff, uh, and, and I want to let you get it out. But you threw in a lot of stuff. First off, I want to check and see if that "Make America Lobby Again" actually came from John Podesta. That sounds like one of those uh, uh, Google it. fake means. No, we will, uh, and and you may be right. Uh, but you know, you say that uh, she won't uh, uh, call for a ban on fracking, uh, but at the same time, that platform, the Democrat platform that they put out is in fact uh the most progressive platform that's what they call it and if you look at it it actually is it calls for uh you know minimum wage increases all sorts of things you did name a couple of the things that i wish were in that platform but there's a lot of stuff that is in that platform that you could never even dream of from the Republicans and the Democrats. Now, I'm not telling you or anyone else who you should vote for. I'm just trying to, what you said, Jimmy, uh, inform the electorate about what is what and what isn't. Uh, Van Jones has made the argument that you can at least uh, lobby uh, a, a Democratic administration like Hillary Clinton to do those things you want, to ban fracking, to not pass the TPP, which she says she doesn't want to pass at this point. You can do all that with her. You cannot do all of that with Donald Trump and at the same, or you can try, but you're not going to get anywhere with Donald Trump. Uh, and at the same time, Jimmy, you lived through George W. Bush administration. You saw the, the, the millions of people literally dead because of that. The messes that we are still dealing with because of that. And uh, so you, you think that somehow Donald Trump is going to coalesce the opposition after what we already saw with George W. Bush, what we actually saw with with Ronald Reagan that we are still dealing with. I, I, I'm just amazed that you think that the pain that it will be caused by a Trump uh, uh, administration is worth somehow living through yet again for generations in order to coalesce this opposition that you dream of. Barack Obama, I mean, uh, George Bush would have never had his uh, Iraq war that would kill millions of people that you are lamenting right now without the help of who? Without the help of who? Yeah. Well, without uh, without the help of the Democrats who supported him? Yeah, meaning Hillary Clinton, the leading uh -huh. Democrat in the Senate, the most visible, the former First Lady, got on board and... Full-throated, supported an invasion into mm -hmm. Iraq when everybody, including a jerk comedian like myself, knew it was a lie. million people uh -huh. uh, marched in England. They knew it was a lie. Tony Blair called them fatuous. Uh, so 
this is the neoliberal agenda. They're warmongers. They're conservatives who are pro-abortion and pro-gay rights. That's so, it. So you, so, I'm so tired you, of them. So you might as well put the... You, know, you so, talked about, Brad, you talked about yeah, the platform. Yeah. You know what? Why aren't you angry at Hillary Clinton for not coming and getting our vote? Why are you angry at her for not saying, okay, I'm against fracking? Hey, let's put it at war against TPP in the platform. Why are you angry at her? Why, are you, why am I the maniac? Why isn't she the maniac? But, She's risking our democracy by letting Trump become president, in your words. You, well, if, no. if, if that, that's how, so she's the one doing it, not me. <laughs> I'm willing to vote for a liberal Democrat. She's not willing to be one. Well, I'm not saying you're a maniac, and I'm not saying who I am or a- am not angry at. I've talked a lot about my problems with Hillary Clinton and with her policies and with the Democrats' courage and everything else. I'm not talking about that. I can, I have, I will. Uh, but when I put it right now, when I put that side-by-side with Donald Trump, to me, now I live in California, as you do, so we have uh, kind of a luxury out here. We don't. It's not a swing state. It's probably going to go for the Democrats no matter how you you or I vote out here. But when I put that uh, side by side, and if it was a single vote up to me, who will be the next president, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? That choice is clear to me. Uh, It would be Hillary Clinton in that case. And to you, it would be Donald Trump in that case. Correct? I would much rather a Trump presidency in a sense. Now, believe me, I don't favor either of them. They're Uh both a nightmare. So, but I think if for the long for the long term, meaning in two years, mm-hmm. the Senate will flip. You agree with that, right? In two years, if Trump is president, the Republicans will lose the Senate. They will lose the House. It, uh, lose the House? No. Lose the Senate? Uh, probably. But uh, lose the House? They, they have that's that's an example, Jimmy. They have gerrymandered because in uh, uh, what was it? Uh, two thousand and ten, uh, Republicans showed up. Republicans took power in state after state. They gerrymandered the map so that uh, they will remain in control of the House for years, potentially for generations. That's what elections mean, even though we'd love to say, oh, uh, you know, Democrats and Republicans are all the same. Good luck with that idea. Look how they have taken a hold through gerrymandering of the U.S. House, making it impossible for Democrats to get control. Okay, so gerrymandering, every year it loses its power because people move and the population shifts. So their gerrymandering is not as strong today as it was when they did it. And it won't be as strong tomorrow, and it will be even less strong in, say, in three or four years. Plus, they have to redo it every 10 years when the census comes out, uh-huh. right? So it depends on who's in. So in two years, <laughs> what, what I'm saying is that if Donald Trump is president, that helps the liberals, that helps the Democrats. If Hillary Clinton is, that's going to turn the Congress for sure solid. That'll turn. Republican houses across the country, houses across the country, solid Republican even more. But if we have uh, uh, Donald Trump, that will move everything to the left. It right. unites the opposition. It's a very easy uh-huh. thing to me. And by the way, Brett, I'm yeah. in the minority. I'm, you know, you, and every, I'm, I'm like the one guy out here kind of screaming this, right? <laughs> Everybody else is exactly saying what you're saying, right? And I, and I get it. I get that argument. No. I'm, I'm seeing, I just think differently. I'm thinking a little longer. A longer game. I'm thinking in two years the Senate for sure flips, and if Hillary Clinton is president, that is a nightmare for the House Democrats and for the Senate well, Democrats. The, 
and we're going to lose it. And then, by the way, Hillary's never going to get reelected. She can't even beat Donald Trump. She's neck and neck with a guy who's almost as bad as man. All right, listen, so, I, I hear you, but that's a lot of pain that uh, you know will be uh, hit with. A lot of people will be hit with a lot of pain under your long-term thinking. I understand it. I appreciate it. Uh, you have articulated it well, and uh, it, which I, I'm really glad that you did because I think it's a legitimate point of view. I just uh, think it is, um, well, I don't want to say ill-considered because you've well-considered this. I think you're just wrong, but we will continue to have, we'll continue to have that out, uh, I suspect, over the next few months, Jimmy. Okay, so I, I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the debate. No problem at all. It was fun to have it. You going to the DNC next week? I am certainly going to be there. Are you going to be there? Uh, hell no. I'll be right here, but we may be calling to bother you again. Okay, let's do it again. Thank you, brother. Jimmy Dore uh, of the uh, the Jimmy, Jimmy Dore Show, heard on uh, Pacifica Radio around the country and as regularly seen on The Young Turks. You should follow him on the Twitters at Jimmy underscore Dore, and you can find all of his work at JimmyDoreComedy.com, but you must spell the word Dore every time, D-O-R-E. Did I get it right, Jimmy? You got it right. Thanks, Brad. I I, really appreciate that. I knew I'd get one thing right. Thank you, brother. We're going to take a quick break. We will be stay safe out there. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more Bradcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to help keep us going. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. And thanks. You know, I get the idea Jimmy uh, Jimmy Dore is not going to vote for Hillary Clinton. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> Where'd you get that idea? I, I get that, that impression. Uh, I, so I can find, by the way, no evidence uh, that uh, the Clinton campaign chief, John Podesta, said make America lobby again during my uh, very quick Google search during the break here. By the way, welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Um, now, uh, but I did find something that I suspect Jimmy might be uh, might have been referring to, and that is this article from The Washington Post out today, finding that the uh, that lobbyists have given millions to Hillary Clinton in this campaign and so far apparently zero to Donald Trump. And among those lobbyists who've given to Clinton are family members of Clinton campaign chief John Podesta. This, according to The Washington Post today, lobbyists have so far raised $7 million for Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign, while Donald Trump's campaign reports he has collected zero from K Street funders. These numbers derived from the Federal Election Commission reports filed on Friday highlight the different approach taken between the two candidates. Let's see. Relying on lobbyists to raise or bundle contributions is a strategy employed by presidential candidates in both parties for several elections. But Trump uh, has been reluctant to rely on traditional fundraising practices, they say. 
I don't know if he's been reluctant or the lobbyists just haven't wanted to cough up. I suspect they don't feel they need to cough up to Donald Trump. I suspect he will do what the lobbyists want, in fact, what the corporate lobbyists want. In any event, the $7 million, uh, that has gone to Hillary Clinton from uh, federally registered lobbyists, uh, that this is since the start of the election cycle in 2015 and through the end of June, the end of last month. In addition, lobbyists have raised $2 million for the Hillary Victory Fund, which is the campaign's uh, joint fundraising committee with the Democratic National Committee. Since 2015, about a third of the $7 million, or roughly $2.4 million for Clinton, was bundled by a handful of veteran Democratic lobbyists uh, who represent a broad range of industries and Fortune 500 companies, amongst them a woman by the name of Heather Podesta. And I don't know if she's related to the the article here does not say whether she's related to John Podesta or not. She raised about or bundled about four hundred and seven thousand dollars for the uh, Clinton campaign. Uh, it was just a handful of lobbyists who uh, uh, raised, uh, well, a third of this seven million representing companies such as Rite Aid, Walmart, Cardinal Health, Facebook, Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, Cigna. Other lobbyists, they note, that raised significant cash for Clinton include Tony Podesta of the Podesta Group. That is the brother of John Podesta, Clinton's campaign chairman. He raised $268,000 for the campaign and $31,000 for the Victory Fund. So I don't believe John Podesta actually said, what did, what did uh, Jimmy say? Make, Make America, America lobby again. Yeah, I, I don't believe he said that, but I suspect... Uh, there maybe there was some uh, headlines that uh, used that or suggested that or memes on Twitter that that's essentially what John Podesta was saying, at least, uh, you know, with the bloggers pointing over to this Washington Post article. I suspect that's what uh, Jimmy was probably referring to. They didn't actually he didn't actually say John Podesta did not actually say make America lobby again. But I take Jimmy Dore's point on that. Um, as far as the platform goes, and by the way, once again, I don't care who you vote for. I don't even care if you vote. That's up to you. But we do like to make sure we have an informed electorate and an, an informed listenership here. And when it comes to the uh, Democratic Party platform, this, according to uh, Bernie Sanders website, what the Democrats did adopt in their platform, which both Sanders and Clinton are calling the most progressive in history, is support for co Congress putting a price on carbon and methane to discourage continued use of fossil fuels. That would be fracking to call on lawmakers to consider the impact on the climate in all federal decisions and to invest heavily in wind and solar rather than natural gas. From fracking, the platform also calls for a fight for a $15 minimum wage, legalization of marijuana, commitments to abolish the death penalty, break up too big to fail banks, end corporate tax loopholes, ban private prisons, expand Social Security, health care, make education actually free, college education for 83 percent of American students. So make of that what you will. And you can decide that, oh, she doesn't really mean it. She won't really try to get it done. So be it. But at least you're informed as far as what these candidates are running for. Meantime, the uh, Republican platform calls for, uh, I don't know, banning porn and uh, and gay people. <laughs>
pretty much. And I don't think I'm exaggerating. In any event, my thanks to Jimmy Dore, my guest today, Jimmy Dore from KPFK and the Young Turks. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen. And my thanks to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. And particularly to those of you uh, who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to make my birthday a little bit better yesterday. And it was a big one. And yes, I'm still uh, furious that I have to work all week and that they nominated Donald Trump for president on my birthday. Thanks, Republicans. You can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Find me and follow me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. And I think that's it. Until we meet again and we have another thrilling episode of the Bradcast, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.